Happy Transformation Tuesday. It is February the 19th, 2019, and this is the Transforming Your Life podcast. I wanted to begin with a quote from the great tennis player, Arthur Ashe. And this was a question he was asked by a reporter when he was in the midst of dying from AIDS-related pneumonia. The reporter asked him about the greatest burden that he had to face in life and probably believing that it would be his health issues that he was currently dealing with as the answer. But the answer that Ash gave a black man who grew up in segregated Richmond, Virginia, was that being black was the greatest burden that he had to bear. Today, I wanna talk about something that I feel like is applicable on a lot of levels. It deals with the current climate of our country, It deals with the fact that this is February and it is the time designated for us to celebrate the history of Black Americans in this country. But unfortunately, we still have an undercurrent and a mentality that we need to have a conversation about. So today's episode is about Blackface in 2019. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. So let's talk about this, all right? Blackface. Um, Controversial, to say the least, is probably not a strong enough word to talk about this particular practice. Um, It came back to the forefront um, because of several issues that have been made known in the media. Um, The Virginia Senate Majority Leader, Tommy Norman, who is a Republican, Um, has a photo from his 1968 college yearbook showing him in blackface. The governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, as well as the attorney general, Mark Herring, who are both white Democrats, also have admitted that they wore blackface as a Halloween costume in the 1980s. And this is one of those things where when people were asked during a simple survey to get their feelings on this particular issue, whether or not it was an issue. Um, It found that white adults were twice as likely as black adults to say that the use of blackface as a Halloween costume was acceptable, 39% compared to 19%. And just looking at all Americans that were surveyed um, by the Pew Research Center for this particular survey on this topic, they, one in three Americans basically said that blackface is always or sometimes acceptable. The problem with this is that it's just plain tone deaf as far as what's acceptable and how we treat one another. And so it's something that we have to talk about because we're even seeing it with the products that are being created. Obviously the recent controversy with Gucci and the sweater, the blackface sweater which many of us, I can't even understand how it could go through the process of creation and being screened by all the different hands that have to see it, the marketing of that particular product, as well as the production of that particular product. And no one see that there's something wrong with having a sweater that looks like blackface. And then also there were other instances, Prada, has had keychains with blackface. 
um, Katy Perry had a shoe that the shoe itself was black and the ornaments on the shoe were blackface. And so we're starting to see this come around and Americans actually purchasing products with this particular thing on it. And we need to really first look at why blackface is a problem. It's more than just dark makeup. It's more than just a Halloween costume. This particular practice is directly related to the unjust laws in this country. It's directly related to the history, unfortunately, that our country has when it deals with skin color. Blackface is tied to a time when African-Americans couldn't eat, couldn't shop, couldn't work, travel, or live in every area that they wanted to live in. So we have to address this as what it is. It is a problem. It's not benign. It's not something that is just a conversation starter. It's not something that is innocuous. It really is something that has a very bad history attached to it. Many people are like, why is this a problem? You know, this is 2019. This, you know, people are not prejudiced like that anymore. Black people have made advancements. But again, this is usually coming from one side of the conversation. And that's part of the problem. There's not really a conversation going on around these particular topics. No one's talking about blackface. No one's sitting down in the room with one another saying, hey, let's talk about this. What's happening is we're having monologues of people talking to themselves and giving their particular positions and their particular ideologies, but they're not sitting down and talking to people who could be impacted by such a practice. And to make it seem as if racism is no longer here is, again, being tone deaf to the cultural and societal times that we live in. We have to understand that blackface in itself reinforced the idea that blackface was an appropriate way to ridicule and mock and stereotype black people. It also reinforced and underscored black criminality and the danger of black people. It may not be what you consider racism, but there's an implicit bias and a discriminatory manner that comes with this particular practice. It reinforces the age old debunked theories and prejudiced beliefs that black people are violent, black people are criminals, black people are dangerous and inferior. And unfortunately, things like this continue to make people in 2019 believe that it's okay to hold those belief systems. One of the things we have to look at, racial integration was something that actually was what this country was founded on. And at a time when blackface was used primarily in minstrel shows and in forms of entertainment, that was not what was happening in this country. This country was deeply divided, deeply segregated, and people were living amongst those who only looked directly like them. And I know we can say that we still have situations like that now. Communities are built that way where you'll have a predominant race in a particular area, but that is by people's choice. At this time, it was not their choice. And I think that we have to be careful 
with just simply overlooking this particular thing as if it's not a problem. The reason why it's a problem is because we have rhetoric coming from the highest place in this country that is divisive at its least and possibly prejudiced and racist and sexist and any other thing you want to come up with that deals with bias at its worst. And so we can't, as fellow human beings, fellow Americans, just allow these things to go unchecked. It cannot always be the group of people that are being oppressed or being discriminated against that are speaking out against the injustices. We are our brother's keeper. And so we should also be speaking out against this. I wanted to come back in the next segment and talk about just the issue of modern day or contemporary blackface. Are we seeing people walk around in the makeup? No. But what are we seeing that shows that this particular practice and the mindsets that go with this are very much present and well with us in 2019? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. So let's get back into this. Um, I wanted to talk about contemporary blackface and a lot of people do not feel like it's a problem for them to wear blackface as or purchase products that look like blackface or create products that look like blackface because there's no racist intent on their part. But the problem is respect for people who had to live through a time where blackface went hand in hand with their day-to-day discriminatory treatment should be enough for us to see the problem with this particular practice. If that's not enough, let's consider the fact that it's tied to some of our worst racial dynamics as a country, and that should be enough to prevent us from doing it as well. David Leonard, the chair of Washington State University's Department of Critical Culture, Gender, and Race Studies. He wrote an essay in 2012 for Huffington Post where he directly talked about this particular thing. In his essay, Just Say No to Blackface, this is what he said. Blackface is a part of a history of dehumanization, of denied citizenship, and of efforts to excuse and justify state violence. From lynchings to mass incarceration, Whites have utilized blackface and the resulting dehumanization as part of its moral and legal justification for violence. It is time to stop with the dismissive arguments. Those that describe these offensive acts as pranks, ignorance, and youthful indiscretions. Blackface is never a neutral form of entertainment, but an incredibly loaded site for the production of damaging stereotypes the same stereotypes that undergird individual and state violence, American racism, and a century's worth of injustices. That's the connection that we need to see today. That's the contemporary issue that we're looking at today. When it comes to blackface, it is how we treat one another. It's the fact that we have some in this country who suffer injustices at a greater level than others. And even if we want to put it in the context of not just looking at black Americans, but other disenfranchised groups in this country, it's the fact that we're dealing with a mentality 
that allows us to see the mistreatment of our fellow Americans, our fellow brothers and sisters, and not feel the need to say something or speak on their behalf, which makes us complicit by being silent. A lot of people think that if I'm not racist or I don't feel racist or I'm not the person that's doing the practice, that I'm not part of the problem. And actually you become part of the problem when you see injustices and you stay silent. And that's part of the the problem that I have currently. And I have to chuckle because it's just the rhetoric and the conversations that we hear politically right now, that we hear socially tied to the highest form of government in this land makes me question the humanity of people. It, it makes me question their humanity and sometimes it makes me question their sanity because there's no way we can hear these things, these offensive comments towards our fellow brothers and sisters and think that it's okay to say those things. Think that it's okay for other people to say those things and for us not to speak up. I feel like the modern day blackface is us believing in all the stereotypes that would allow us to see the injustices against our fellow brothers and sisters, to see the mistreatment, to hear the conversations and the rhetoric that is divisive and causes us to look at one another in a certain kind of way that is not positive and to stay silent. We also can look at the fact that we're so enamored with the ability, and I'm trying to find a a correct way to say this, but I guess there's no way but to just say it, that we're so enamored with the ability financially because we've achieved and, and had success that we have the ability to buy from certain companies that historically we have not had the ability to support that we're willing to take what they give us. And I think that is part of the problem with some of these companies that have produced these products. These are not companies that are fly by night. These are not flagship companies. These are not mom and pop companies. These are not small businesses. These are major brands who have basically let us know subliminally what they feel about certain groups of people. Because there's no way that they can consider those groups of people as customers and how they feel and want their business and create something that looks like that. There's no, there's no possible way. Because you create a product that will alienate either you're tone deaf and didn't realize it, totally ignorant of history, or you're letting us know that you didn't consider them to be a consumer of your product to begin with. And let's just be honest, we've had actual owners and creators of companies come out and say that they did not make their products for particular people. I mean, we could run the list of several companies who have just flat out said that. And so I'm one of those people, I don't like passive aggressiveness. It's one of my pet peeves. I would rather you just tell me what it is than pretend that it's something else. And so I kind of can appreciate you saying that to let me know where you stand so I know, hey, I won't be buying that product. 
which is my choice. What I don't like and what I feel like many of us in the conversations that I've had is the subliminal messages of them letting you know, hey, I didn't create this for you to buy anyway. If you don't believe that, you can look at the way things are priced. They're priced to a particular point because they want an exclusive consumer to buy their product. The challenge is that the diversity of that price point has now changed. And so they have to recognize the fact that there are more people that are black and brown and minority that can afford their products. And so now they're in a social climate where it's not easy to just price people out of buying it, that they don't want to purchase it. Now you have to come with another way to let them know, hey, I don't want you to buy my product. I'm not telling you who to support. I'm not telling you to not buy it. I know for me, I won't be purchasing any more of it. I'm definitely not telling you if you purchased it to, to burn it and throw it away. That's dumb because you paid your hard earned money. That's not what we're doing. But I will say that we have to make better choices. Don't allow prosperity and progress to make us be blind and turn a blind eye to the fact that things have not changed as much as we thought they had. Yes, we've achieved. Yes, we've pushed past barriers. Yes, we've even had the opportunity to place a person of color in the highest position in our country. But even with all of that, there still is the issues that we have with discrimination, biases, simply based on superficial things such as skin color. We're not connecting with people on an individual level. And if we're ignorant to this particular thing or turn a blind eye to it, we're part of modern blackface. If we are a person of color and just because we have the ability to support, we're willing to support regardless of the message that that particular company is putting out to people that look like you or other people that are disenfranchised, you're modern blackface. If you're speaking the rhetoric of hate that is coming from the highest point of political position in this land, you're modern blackface and you're part of the problem. And we need to fix this problem. We'll be back in just a second. We're talking about blackface in 2019. So we're back and I wanted to close this out. Um, just kind of giving us some points of reference on things that we need to just look at and be honest about. First thing is the ability for us to be ignorant on this issue, the ability for us to be unaware of the history and the consequences of the racial bigotry that came with this, the ability to just do as you please is the quintessential element of privilege, period. The ability for us to disparage one another, the ability of us to ridicule and engage in conversations that are hurtful based on race, based on orientation, based on gender, doesn't matter what your card is that you pull, that's privilege. And some of us are exercising privilege even though we belong to the group that was disenfranchised. 
And so we have to look at it from that particular standpoint. We cannot continue to stand by and just act as if this is not a problem because the reality is it is a problem. And any person that tries to act like it isn't is in denial. And that is not beneficial to us as a society to be better if we remain in denial. We have to understand that there are so many people in this country that are still suffering, that are so many people in this country that are still fighting to get equal rights. And it's 2019. This country hasn't been in existence for hundreds of years and it's based on a group of people coming here for that very reason, to get their rights. So the fact that we're comfortable with seeing the rights of others being disenfranchised or seeing other people be mistreated and feeling like if we're ignorant that it's okay. Because claiming ignorance, claiming that you do not know is not okay and it's part of the problem. Being able to say, oh, I didn't know Gucci put out a product like that, that's part of the problem. Being able to say that, you know, we want to build walls to keep people out and classifying a whole group of people as murderers and criminals is part of the problem. And that's part of the privilege that we have because you may not be saying it, but you may also be not tuned into the conversations and hearing the things that are being said directly related to it. We have to get back to caring about our brothers and sisters, caring about who lives in this country with us, caring about our fellow citizens. We have to get back to being our brother's keeper. There was once a time when that was a mentality. I was talking to my husband and I said to him that the civil rights movement is not successful unless the people that were not black, those who were white, that stood alongside those who were part of the civil rights movement and fought with them. It would not have been successful without them. I'm not saying it's successful because they were a part of it. What I'm saying is it always takes those who have the option and are not directly affected by the issue to stand up and speak up for something that's wrong for things to change. No, I'm not of Latin descent but I can't sit back and see and hear the things that are being said about those who are, particularly those who border us to the South and be silent because I'm part of the problem if I do. I'm using a form of privilege if I do. It sounds crazy for a black woman to say that I will be using privilege, but because that particular issue does not affect me and I decide to remain ignorant and silent on the issue, that's a form of privilege. So what my challenge is to us going forward is to have the hard conversations, get rid of the talking points that you get from your political candidate or the person that you support, speak from your heart, speak on information that's factual, speak to the person that you're talking to, actually have a real dialogue, listen to what they're saying, get to know them on an individual level not based on the superficial things that you can see. And I feel like this will be something that will allow us to heal and move forward from some of these particular problems that we currently have still hundreds of years later in this country. And so as we exit out, I want to remind you 
that I am on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. My handle is at Dr. Malika Speaks, and Malika is spelled M-A-L-A-I-K-A. You can also find me on my website, and my website address is malikambrown.com. And I would love to hear from you, your feedback and comments. Remember, the podcast is found on multiple platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, Stitcher, Breaker, as well as Radio Public. And I would love for you to not only listen, but I would love for you to subscribe and please rate the podcast. We're trying to get our views up and we're trying to get the message to treat one another and help others transform their life out to a bigger audience. So we would love to continue having that opportunity by your support. We thank you for your support. And as I often say, be good to others. And most importantly, be good to yourself. Until next week, have a great rest of your week.